Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. This is our title today. Let's unpack this. Have you ever noticed when you get back from vacation, the last thing that you want to do is unpack this. This is, I mean, you know, you, you get home and you're like, oh my goodness, I've got dirty laundry. And second that I pull that out, that means that I have stuff that I have to actually deal with. And some of you moved a couple years ago, but you've got boxes that are still taped up. Don't, you don't have to look at each other, okay? Don't, we don't need that tension this morning, right? Why is that? Why? Because you're like, I just don't want to deal with this right now. I do not want to deal with the fact that I've got Vikings gear in here today. They're going to disappoint me, so I'm just going to pack that away right now, and I'll see if I pull it out, depending on how they do today, right? So, so much of our lives, we compartmentalize and we decide whether or not we want to deal with things. Now, some of us have the unfortunate... Um, Growing up background of being raised in a family that didn't like to unpack anything. So let's keep that zipped up and keep it zipped up for a reason. And do we get an amen? We got some of those in here. Some of you have very stressful jobs. And the idea of coming home and going, okay, I just dealt with a really cruddy day at work. Now I'm going to deal with these really heavy issues and unpack that, no, you're going, I'm zipping this thing up. I do not have the emotional, I don't have the brain power. I cannot even attempt this right now. I will fall apart. Or maybe you know yourself well. Maybe you deal with anger and you know that you are so drained after work. The idea that you could go and unpack something without blowing a gasket is impossible. So then you just zip that thing up and you pack it away. Or, you know, maybe... You are somebody who you just love to dive in. You lo- you're like dumping that thing out. I will tell any stranger everything that, have you met, met that person? I used to be that person. I did. And I, I thought I was being super authentic. I thought that, that it was, I was just being real. I was being raw. And I freaked so many people out. How, how many of you know that if you're with somebody like that, that you share something, maybe that's something that you shouldn't share with somebody the first time you meet them, right? We should have some kind of boundaries. And you share, and all of a sudden there is that awkward silence. And now they're thinking, oh, they want me to share something of equal value. And then you're like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. So what do you do? You pack it, you pack it away, and you just don't even deal with it. And unfortunately, we can do that in the church. We can just say, let's just pack this away. Let's talk about the goodness of God. Let's talk about his mercy. Let's talk about his graciousness, all which are good. But then we start talking about things that maybe it's just a little too real. Maybe 
it's just that closet that you've kind of been pushing things up in and you're just hoping, you know, you have visitors over. I know you guys don't do it. It's just my house. You find that one room where you can put everything in so everything else looks really good, you know? So you kind of put things away. And so in the church, we, we actually do this. And, and I, I have uh, pastor friends of mine who, I mean, we talk about it. And sometimes there's, there's topics or scriptures that we're, we're trying to figure out, okay, how in this day and age, how can we have this conversation where with just the volatility of some of the things that we're dealing with politically and what people are dealing with in the church of trying to handle, how do we have this conversation? And so these are things that we talk about. And so as we are walking this line of, of a time of discipline, we've been talking about as a church, a time of discipline. How do we put things um, in our lives, prioritize stuff before it's just that season where it's the right thing to do? No, we're looking at... How can we as a church prioritize, create godly habits for a lifetime of worship, a lifetime of praise, a lifetime of relationship with God's people and with God? And part of that is, okay, we all know as Christians, if you follow Jesus, we know that, hey, we should pray, right? James says, if you have not, or you ask not because you have not, right? Hey, have not because you ask not. We need to ask. We need to go before God and ask. We need to actually be in his word. We know that when we read, he is speaking to us. His spirit is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It, 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 it separates. And, and what we need to do is we, we read, and we know this, right? This isn't new, but we know this. So we've talked about those things. But then we start getting into things. We start getting into scripture where all of a sudden, we find that God is asking more of us. And this is a part of discipleship. It, it, think, of, think of any relationship. If you were in a romantic relationship of, of some kind, maybe in the first couple dates, there's not a whole lot being asked of you. But if that relationship continues, there's going to be a lot more asked of you. And then more and more because of the commitment. And it's no different than our relationship with Christ, because your relationship with Jesus means everything to us as a church. Your relationship with Jesus means everything to us. And if you're at a place in your life and, and you're having trouble with some people, I want you, if you're a believer, and if you're having trouble looking at them with the eyes through the eyes of God, look at them and think to yourself, their relationship with Jesus means everything to me. Their relationship with Jesus means everything to me. When we start thinking this way, we start thinking through the lens and seeing through the lens of God. And as a church, that is the most important thing that we can do. So today we are talking about the spiritual discipline of purity. This is essential for the Christ follower. What I mean by this is if you are not yet a Christian, purity is helpful to you. Biblical purity will help you practically, but if you're not a believer, it's not pertinent. But if you are a follower of Jesus, spiritual, the spiritual discipline of purity is imperative for you. It is absolutely imperative. So I don't think it is possible for me today in our short time together for me to overemphasize the importance of purity in your life. I don't think there's any way that I could possibly do it, but um, if you give me a little permission this morning, I'm going to try and meddle a little bit, if that's all right with you. And if not, you just zip that thing up and you just, we'll be good. We'll make it through this morning. Can you put the first slide up there for me, Ephesians 5? 
Paul writes, but among you, we're going to come back um, to this towards the end here. Um, also, if you, if you do have your Bibles today, this is in the NIV translation. We have a Bibles in the back um, of the room there. And if you don't have a Bible, take a Bible. Uh, but if you need one, you can open up with us. It's Ephesians 5. <clears throat> but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity, greed. Boy, we don't talk about greed a whole lot, do we? It's kind of an important one. Nor obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. Now, this scripture um, really hit me a number of years back. Uh, I'm, I, I like reactions. I, I'm a reactionist. Um, I, I was... We were just, Blake and I were talking this morning. His kids were trying to scare me, and so then I was in turn trying to scare him this morning as I was setting up for church. And, um, and then it reminded me, I used to have coworkers that I would hide under their desk, and I would put my phone, I would start recording it, and I would wait. I would wait for them to come. Oh, yeah, I, I would totally jump out at them. And it was fantastic. I loved the reaction. But... Part of that also had to do with my language. I would love to say things that just shocked people like they weren't ready to hear it. And so I would use language that bordered on, on the sometimes the, the coarse joking and the foolish talk. And I would really, really, really push this. And, and I remember I was reading this and I went, oh, whoops. And... It wasn't immediate, but the Holy Spirit began to work in me, and I began to make changes in my life, even though I, I really enjoyed it. I loved to see the reactions of people. I, I loved to shock people, but I had to make some changes to line up with Scripture. Now, this is what's interesting about this. So, nor obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. So, Paul lists some impurities. And then I put three different versions on here because I know sometimes how our brains work, we need to be able to hear different things different ways. So the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is one of my favorite versions, um, these shouldn't even be named among us. So as believers, this list of things shouldn't even be listed, shouldn't even be named among you. The NLT, the New Living Translation, this is a great translation for those of you who, who um, for young kids that are trying to learn to read. It's a really great, clear message. It has no place among us. No place among us. Then the NIV, it is improper for God's holy people. These things, they're improper for you. They don't belong among you. They shouldn't be named among you. So the problem that we have is that we see this laid out in Genesis 1 through 3. God created perfection, and then when sin entered, we now have uh, the, we have sin that comes in and contaminates what was once perfect. It was corrupted, and then as things continued to go, they were systematically, and we were systematically contaminated with sin. The perfection that was was now tarnished. And the gospel message is that Jesus came as the perfect, as the pure, the purifying sacrifice. It was perfection, paid the penalty in your stead. He was the substitution for you. So take yourself off the cross and Christ 
substituted himself for you and I. The fancy word for that is substitutionary atonement. That's what, that's what Christ is. That's what Christ has done for you and for me. The next slide is Romans 5, 17. For if by the trespass of the one man, so we're talking about um, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Just as sin entered and we were contaminated through the one, death by the perfect Son of God brought life for all who believe and put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. This right now is, means that as Christians, we are on the path of righteousness, the process of sanctification. We are being made holy. Um, some of you maybe have heard this story. I think it's been a while since I, I shared it. I was at a time in my life where I was such a good Christian you should have seen me. Wow. It was amazing. I was so proud of how little sins I committed. I was like, man, I sh there should be a poster of me somewhere. You know, I mean, look at me. I am a good Christian. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. I'm giving to the church. I'm doing this. I'm volunteering. I'm doing I'm doing, I'm behaving, I'm a good kid. And then, I was on my way to work one day. I was in McLeod County. I was heading to this group home. And I started going around the corner. I could bring you right there, just uh, north of Hutchinson. And I, I, the only way I can explain it is, was like um, a, a film reel that God put before my eyes. And in, in that time, God started showing me my pride. He started showing me my arrogance. And it, it was as if the wind had been knocked out of me. And I start weeping. I'm going to work and I'm thinking, Lord, I'm a mess. I got to go in and perform a job. In that moment, I connected with Isaiah where he says, Woe is me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. I had somehow made my salvation based on behavior. Somehow how I looked, somehow how I presented to the world. And, and if, if you're familiar with Scripture, you find that that's a Pharisee. That is the greatest antagonist to the ministry of Jesus Christ, was the Pharisee. And I had become a Pharisee without even realizing it. I thought I was such a good Christian. There's this um, point when Jesus looks at the Pharisees and said, you're nothing but a whitewashed tomb, but you're just a sepulcher filled with dead man's bones. Oof. That's what I was. That's what I was. But if any of you 
had known me at that time, you would have said, wow, he's, you know, he's a great role model. He's doing great with our youth. He's, he's, he, wow, that's, that's great. But I was sick. I was spiritually sick. Now, I want to make sure that I communicate this clearly. When you accept Christ, your sins are washed away and you are made clean immediately. You are whole in Jesus Christ. Your name doesn't even, it doesn't eventually make it into the book of, of life. It is in the book of life. You are engraved on Jesus' hands. So our purification is part of the process of becoming like Jesus. Yes, you are made whole immediately. Again, not from something great that you've done, and I had somehow messed that up in my head, even though I knew better. It is solely based on the work of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross of Calvary. So here's a question I want you to ponder, and it's a good one. I came up with it. I know. (laughs) I thought that was kind of ironic, but... Sometimes it doesn't communicate well. Here's the question. How am I made perfect, yet I am still a sinner? How am I made perfect, yet I am still a sinner? That seems kind of strange. And as I, as I thought about this, and I thought, what is a really great way for us to be able to communicate this? Could you uh, put up the picture, Sheila, for me? In Exodus 12, we see... So Moses had been raised up to help get Israel out of Egypt. And if you're familiar with this set of scriptures, there were um, plagues and different things that God did on Egypt. So they would see that there is one true God. It was also to put faith and trust in Israel that your God is setting you free, that no man can be given the credit for this. Moses did not do it. He was a faithful follower and obedient to Christ. He's an example for us. But Jesus provided the miracles. The last one was to take the blood of a perfect, spotless lamb. And to take that perfect lamb and to take the blood of it and to put it at the doorpost of that house. If that blood was identified on your house, that death angel would pass by. This is where we get the word Passover, the Jewish Passover, the time of, of celebration of God taking a people and, and, and just giving them new life. And the way that I, I can just best try and communicate this through Scripture is to say that when you accept Christ, God isn't looking down from heaven and seeing Mark. Mark, you are so great. You are so holy. No, 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 no. This is the best, and this is why the gospel is good news. God is looking down from heaven, and he has seen the blood of Jesus on the doorposts of your soul. When he sees you, he sees perfection in the blood of Jesus. And so if you're carrying this, and I know that when we talk about 
things like impurity, we start going immediately to maybe acts and to things that we've done and, and things that we're struggling with and addictions and different things like this. And, and we deal with the shame right away. But first and foremost, please, can you hear, look at me, hear me with this. When you've accepted Christ, God the Father sees Jesus in you. Your greatest sin, your greatest failure does not define you. But the blood of Jesus does. The blood of Jesus does. His name on your soul defines who you are. Can, we, can I get an amen? Because man, I'm going to keep preaching to myself here this morning. I, oh man. Can you just put this into your mind for a little bit of just this idea of the blood of Christ and the door, door of your soul. Wow. So what is impurity? I went on the Fairview Hospital website, and being in a first world country, we know how to stay clean, or for the most part, mostly clean, because we can never keep away from all bacteria and all infections and things. But we have the education and understanding to know how things are passed along. When uh, I used to manage a restaurant and I would have to teach this and cross-contamination, and being both my son and I um, have to deal with, because we're gluten-free, we'd have celiac, so we know cross-contamination and we know how quickly we can actually get sick. But before I knew that, I was managing an Italian restaurant and one of the best illustrations happened right in front of me, and I'm sorry I'm going to gross you out, but this is just truth. I was walking into the Mall of America, and I saw, um, I, I went to the bathroom first, and then I, I had some incentives to try and help sell some things in the restaurant that day. So I went back to my car, and I saw a guy that was in the bathroom who left without washing his hands. And I'm like, oh, gross. You know, we've done that, right? You're like, oh, gross. And e even if you're not going to the bathroom, just wash your hands so people just think, okay, they wash their hands, okay? That's just for free. And anyway... I went to my car, I came back, I had my bag of goodies, so, you know, servers and people would maybe sell some things, some fun incentives. And as I was back, I'm watching this guy smoking a cigarette now outside the building. So I'm thinking, he just went from the bathroom to not washing his hands, to now he's smoking a cigarette. He's putting his hands to his mouth. This is, what? What? And then, you know what happens next. He came into our restaurant. And I, I, I know what table he was at. And I'm thinking, everything that he touches now, every plate, now our servers come, our busters come, they come and take the plate, they come take the silverware, they come take, now some of you are like, I need to go to the bathroom and wash my hands. I'm not meaning to, to do that to you. But this is exactly what we're dealing with. We're talking about things that are impure, things that are not clean. And so when you go on the Fairview website and you say, hey, what, what are some ways that I can do? It tells you how to stay clean, how to wash, how to prevent cross-contamination, things like that. But then we get into another level, and, and it talks about people who are more susceptible to infections. I told you that I'm celiac. That means that I have an autoimmune thing. I can be more susceptible to illness if I'm not taking care of myself. Smokers, you are listed on here. Older adults, if you have diabetes, you have a weakened immune system. You have to be more careful. You have to be more heightened 
than others. There are certain medications, especially those with steroids and different things, that can wear down. If you've had to be on a lot of antibiotics, all these things can wear your system down. If you have poor nutrition, you are now more susceptible to infections. If you are overweight, if you have had really long operations where you're opened up for long periods of time, even with all their clean rooms, you can still get an infection. All of these hazards contribute to the increase in the chance of an infection. And in the same way, we as Christians are placing ourselves, and a lot of times, at no decision of our own, in environments who, that degrade who we are in Jesus Christ. They wear away at us. We become worn down. We place ourselves in environments that are anti-Christ. We are assaulted with the impurities of this world and experiences and things that we have gone through. And it many times places us at a greater spiritual risk to break down. How is your spiritual nutrition? How's your, how's your spiritual diet? Psalms 119, how can a young person, but in this case, I think we can say, how can you, how can a person stay on the path of purity? It's great, it gives an answer right away. By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. For I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to the Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I'm going to read this again. We read it in the beginning, Ephesians 5. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. In Paul's writings, any kind of impurity, sexual immorality, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, vulgarity. Why? Because these are just, they're improper. They don't line up with the character of God. Therefore, they should not line up with those of us who are following Jesus Christ. The Greek word for sexually immoral and in different forms in this scripture, it's used so often as porneia. It's no surprise where that word comes from. It's fascinating to me. Actually, I looked at a, a paper I wrote in 2012 on pornography, and I, I did a comparison of what's happening in our country in 2012 to now. And it, it, it's, the numbers are, are frightening. The numbers uh, on what's happening is, 
We just have to deal with so much. And something I hadn't thought about, I was, I was talking with um, somebody who's been doing some um, teaching. Uh, there was a series on purity for some of the men in the church. And one, one of the conversations came up is that some of the older generation, they never had to deal with it so blatantly and so accessible. And so they lived their whole young lives because at that time, and some of you are older, you know the only way that you could get pornography was to go to the convenience store, and then you had to deal with the shame of going to the convenience store and buying a magazine. Or you stole it, or you knew somebody who had some. But now, a lot of these people in older generations, all of a sudden it's on their phone, all of a sudden things that were never on TV before are on TV, Things that are accessible now are very accessible. And so these are muscles and things that even older generation people have to start working with and walking on this path of purity. Where young people, they've been born in it. This is all they know. But when you start looking at the first time a young person sees pornography, it's by the age 11 on average. These are very real issues. These are things that we as believers, we all have to deal with. Remember when I said, it's no fun to unpack things? Not really a fun conversation. There's a lot of other things I'd rather be preaching on right now. You know, it's really important when you start looking up studies and statistics, and you see that even the world around us sees the detriment of pornography. You just do a a quick study of it, type in pornography statistics, start typing in um, just articles about it, and what you will find is most leading and reputable websites are talking about what the damage does to your brain, what it does to your relationships. And um, if you're familiar, there's a, if you have some on your computer, there's one that's called Covenant Eyes that helps protect you know, your websites or your computer so you don't go on to things like this. And they, in one of their studies, they said that over 50% of people who go to church view pornography regularly. This is an issue, friends. This is something that, that we have to deal with as followers. This is very important. I want to just say a quote for you here. Dr. May Ann Layden writes, Pornography is raising people's expectations and demand for types and amount of sexual experiences. It says, at the same time, it is reducing their ability to experience sex. What happens is, is people get so pushed into pornography that it begins to rewire their brains to the point where when they want to have a meaningful relationship with somebody, it actually makes it so they can't. We need to be healthier. And and what I want to say to you today is that Christ is calling you to a higher level. Jesus wants to purify you. And it's not just in this. We we list Paul listed out. I see I said Paul, so you didn't blame me. See, Paul listed out a whole bunch of different things. It's not just this. I mean, do we want to talk about greed in the northwest metro of Minneapolis here, friends? Do we want to talk about the way 
that, that we spend our money? Is it only on us? I, I believe this is why, why God asks for us to give. I believe that what, when we tithe, when we give, that God knows that we are removing our own, our own person, our own selfishness, and we are saying, God, I trust you. I, I believe that you have given me the ability to work, and I am giving back to you. And I believe this is one of the main reasons, is because greed kills us. Proverbs 6.27 says, Can a man scoop fire from his lap without being burned? Can, can we play with impurity? Can we play with the profane and it not affect us? The answer is no. So here's how we're going to end today. Um, Heidi, would you come up and, uh, I, I can't, where are you? Yeah, if you can come and play quietly here. Hebrews 12, um, I put this in your bulletin, so if you have a bulletin, you can open up and, and see there. And I just thought this is um, just some great, it's just something for us to think of when we're thinking of if we have areas in our life that maybe right now the Holy Spirit's just putting this on your heart saying, yeah, I got some stuff. I got some stuff. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Would you please stand? So if you look at your bulletin, the first word I have there is divest. So I'm using these four words that are, I just read for you right now in Hebrews 12. Divest. Paul says, or the, the writer of Hebrews says, throw off everything that hinders you. Get rid of it. Starve it. What you feed grows. So divest. We need to divest. To run. I find it interesting that we're supposed to run and chase after God, but the Bible also says flee, run away from sexual immorality. Right? Focus. We had uh, two weeks ago, and it's online if you want to listen to it, Dr. Uh, Renee Brathwaite, he spoke to us, and he said, where your eyes go, your heart and your wallet follow. I kept that quote. Where your eyes go, your heart and your wallet follow. Focus. Lastly, consider. Think of what Christ has done for you. Consider your ways. I don't know about you, friends, but sometimes when I read Scripture, sometimes I'm my heart is kind of grieved. Sometimes I'm like, oh, Lord, you're really speaking to me. And that's really what happens when we're in relationship with Jesus. There are things that need to be worked on. And if, if this is you today, I, let's just take some time and let's try and give it to the Lord. Let's repent. Let's, let's confess to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I have this impurity right now because what we watch, it matters. What we listen to, friends, it, it matters. Where your feet go, it matters. Who you spend time with, where you spend time, it matters. 
It really, really does. And I believe that God is calling some of us to a higher level today. I believe that there might be somebody here that's saying, yeah, I, I need to step it up. I understand that the blood of Christ has covered me, and I understand that I am not perfect, but when God sees me, I am perfect. However, there is a however in there. If you continue to sin and knowingly continue to sin, that is when the problem starts to happen. Would you bow your heads? You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.